Welcome to the Grattan Podcast channel. You're with Megan from the Grattan Institute and today we're discussing all things podcast. If you're listening at home, chances are you've already begun to understand the magic of podcasts. Perhaps Grattan is the first podcast you've engaged with, or perhaps you're a seasoned podcast listener and we are one of a library of episodes you listen to each week. Many of Grattan's researchers have their favourite podcasts that they listen to to stay informed on policy or just to be entertained. So this week we thought we'd share with you what we're listening to and why. We'll discuss what's behind the rise of podcasts and then ask a few of Grattan's staff to give us a snapshot of what they're listening to on their way to work. Joining me to discuss the rise of podcasts and what we're listening to when it comes to politics, policy and current affairs is Australian Perspectives Fellow Brendan Coates and Associate Lucille Danks. Welcome Brendan, welcome Lucille. Thanks Megan. Thanks Megan. So podcasts have had a pretty meteoric rise in a short space of time. What's that rise looked like and what's the appeal? Well, I suppose, you know, the podcast bubble, some like to think of it, is probably only second to the housing bubble, really, in um, <laughs> in um, the Australian media landscape. And so, you know, we've seen a rapid rise in the amount of people that are listening to podcasts. Um, you know, we can talk through some of the stats. Um, I don't have any numbers on Australia. I think Lucille does. But just research from the US suggests that... Um, as of 2016, 21% of, of Americans aged 12 or older say they've been listening to a podcast in the last month, which is basically double from 2013. Um, and I think what's really noticeable about um, the the rise in podcasts is it's a very intensive form of of, uh, of journalism. It's you're getting into the weeds, you're getting really deeply into so a particular issue. It's not necessarily quite so... It's not like the, the nightly news where you're just sort of like touching on current affairs and what's happened in the world and so on. You're actually getting really into what's going on. And um, also that people are listening to a lot of podcasts. So there's some research that ABC did back in late 2016 um, using some of their online surveys where they found, and this isn't obviously a balanced sample because it says that 60% of respondents listen to podcasts within the last week. So it's not of everyone, but it's of those people that appear to be really keen on listening to podcasts. Um, and on average, podcast audiences listen to an average of five and a half podcasts per week. And one in five listen to 11 podcasts a week. That's wow. a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm, I think of myself as a fairly um, avid podcast listener. You know, I've, a, I've got a recent child. I no longer have any time where I'm not washing the dishes or you know, that, that is free time these days. Um, and so I'd probably listen to seven or eight and, you know, most of that's on the commute or wherever else. And But so listening to 11 is a lot. And of that, um, on that particular data, news, current affairs and politics is the genre of podcasts that's most widely listened to. Um, so that's 60%. And an average of 80% of podcast audiences listen the whole way through to their chosen podcast, which is actually quite surprising. And amongst sort of different forms of media, I think pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you think about video and something like that, very rarely do people watch the entire video, let's say, on Facebook. Or when you're looking at the stats of who opens marketing emails per se and actually reads through. Yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting that they found so many people listening to news and politics because I looked at um, the iTunes Australian top podcast charts um, right back to 2011. And I found that news was actually quite a small segment of the um, the types of podcasts that were making it into the top 100. So at the moment, the number of news and politics podcasts that are in the top 100 is probably in the realm of um, 10%, so 10, um, which is quite small relative to, say, crime being a very specific medium and taking up about 20% of the um, topic base of the top 100 Australian podcasts. 
Well, I think in this case, you're certainly seeing the ABC survey. Well, it's self-select. There's a big selection bias here. You're picking people who are listening to the ABC. This is true. Yeah. Probably listening to ABC podcasts. Therefore, you know, they're probably listening to the kind of news and current affairs stuff that, you know, a lot of us would listen to. Um, it's also worth re- mentioning that the Grattan podcast does make it into the top 100. Is that so? I didn't even know that. How exciting. In 100th place. It's as high <laughs> yes, as we've ever got. somewhere. <laughs> Look, there's room for growth, but, you know, it's nice to be there. Brendan, I found it very interesting that you started off with the sort of joking comparison to the housing market um, because the growth in podcasts, I think, is quite different from the growth in other um, products or services that we're used to talking about. So I'd probably... um, I think the best comparison would be the growth in podcasts to the growth of, say, the sharing economy or something, where the actual types of products being put forward um, and the uses of the products are changing drastically over time. You're saying it's also more sustainable too, depending on what what you want to think about the housing bubble. Yeah, I'd like to think it's not a bubble. Um, Because when you think of... So I had a look at what what types of podcasts were in the top 100 um, back to 2011, Disclaimer, there's only top 10 in the last two years of that data set. Um, and what I observed was that the types, of da- the types of podcasts that people are listening to has changed drastically over time. Um, so any guesses as to what the major categories of podcasts would have been at the beginning of this time series back in 2011? Well, look, my podcast preferences haven't changed in that time. So I used to what listen to a lot of news and current affairs and I still do. Well, you'd think it'd be similar to radio, I would have assumed, you know, so something around like interviews with with people, you know, that kind of thing would be the thing that people would most relate to when they're first starting to get into podcasts. Exactly. That's where I thought the medium would have started. But actually, um, the biggest category when um, podcasts first started being recorded on the iTunes charts in 2011 was science. 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 Closely followed by music, particularly trance and DJ music, which doesn't feature at all in the top 100 anymore. Music has essentially stopped being podcast since the rise of um, Spotify and Pandora and these sorts of products. So is it more fiction then? Is it stories? Interesting point. So I think it's it started off with um, a couple of early adopters being sort of the science and music spaces. Second to that, in 2012, 2013, um, there was a lot of exploration of a variety of mediums and you start to see a real diversity um, probably the maximum diversity in podcast topics was during that period and there's a lot of comedy still some music interviews as you're saying Megan and then a solid chunk of podcasts relating to specific topics which perhaps is a bit more like your media diet Brendan focusing on science politics sports and history um, and it wasn't until sort of 2013 that you really get the birth of podcasts sort of as we know them today being a unique form of journalism um so you had the rise of storytelling podcasts um things like this american life the moth and then podcasts were also used for presenting um miscellaneous education um which i didn't appreciate there was a lot of demand for until podcasting but you only have to look at the um, rise of Radio Lab and stuff you should know to realize that there's actually a huge market for content that is essentially your variety hour, but enriching. Kind of edutainment. Edutainment, right. So um, in the storytelling and miscellaneous education genres, I think podcasting has really created new content. And do you guys have any theories on what it is that has 
made podcasts so popular? Like, I mean, why podcasts over radio, for example? What is it? Is it is it this kind of on-demand world that we're living in now? You've got things like Netflix, and so you expect to be able to listen to what you want to listen to when you want to listen to it? I think there's a bit of that. So I think it's obviously facilitated by technology. Mm. So rise of smartphones, the rise of like that kind of technology that you basically have a portable computer wandering around in your pocket with you um, that you can easily, and the, the way that um, those kind of podcast apps like iTunes and so on, basically essentially they you just store, it, it's very automated. Like you don't have to go looking for the particular podcast at the time. I remember I used to listen to some of the, uh, what, basically podcasts back in sort of 2007, 2008, it was things like science or BBC or whatnot. And you, you pretty much had to stream it, download it first or stream it off your phone at the time, which- Those are the days. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? You couldn't really do it very well. Whereas now, you know, I have a set of podcasts on my phone, you know, they download automatically when I'm on Wi-Fi. They're basically there when you need them. And so you sort of have a selection that you just go to. So I think technology has facilitated a lot. Yeah, the distribution of podcasts um, definitely surpasses the convenience of the distribution of, say, magazines. Yeah. Um, so purely from a convenience factor, podcasts, I think, are a superior medium. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting about the way that podcasts have grown is they've um, sort of carved out a niche in this sort of middle brow culture um, in that they're not low brow in that. So a lot of um, podcasts, as we're discussing with the rise of educa- edutainment, are actually quite hard hitting. They feature experts. They talk about complex topics in great detail, um, but they're presented in a really entertaining way. Um, so in that way, they're also not highbrow. Um, so there's a sort of niche in between um, where it's both relating to sort of important ideas and presented in an entertaining way. They're accessible. Yeah, it's accessible and it um, it fits into people's media consumption in a way that both advances their you know, intentions to build up expertise in different topics while also satisfying their need for entertainment. It's like the new TV. It's also become a lot easier to record them too. So the technology to record them, you know, is way cheaper and more accessible than it was, you know, five years ago even. Um, so I think you see that fragmentation as well, that any any man and his dog can start a podcast these days. And there are a lot of people that do. Um, that it, it allows you to, to segment out... Um, audience types, audience groups, because they're pretty, they are relatively cheap to produce. It Speaking is- as the producer of this show, I can <laughs> Yes, yes. No, you're worth every penny. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, so people can do it in a very sort of um, like low, low, low budget kind of, kind of way. And you can really attack a niche. And since then, I think we've seen a big rise in existing media networks, essentially doing, doing what we do, like we've historically done at Grattan, which is, we generate a lot of content, a lot of um, information a, a, that's, that's you know, we're trying to hit an audience with that. And you've basically turned around and you've generated podcasts as another channel off that. Speaking of content that we create, obviously um, a, a number of Grattan staff are quite influenced by the podcast that they're listening to in, in terms of how that frames their thinking when they're looking at, at the research that they're working on. So... Uh, in that vein, what are you guys listening to that's shaping the way you think about policy and politics? Well, what I find podcasts so useful for in this forum is really it's a way of looking at big emerging issues that are covered well in podcasts where you don't have to you don't have to be as definitive. So, you know, in the same way as if you think of economic papers you used to go from it was the peer review journal, it had gone through a review process and ends up behind a paywall in the um, you know, Journal of Economic Perspectives or American Economic Review or something like that. And that would be how um, 
people would access those insights. Then you move to a world where it's more working papers and then to a world where it's more blog posts. And so a lot of the, you know, the written stuff. Then Twitter feeds. Then Twitter feeds. (laughs) And so this is what I use Twitter for. It's basically a chance to uh, tweet about the Melbourne Football Club when we're doing well and the rest of the time to essentially read um, the people that I, who, who are thought leaders in particular fields to, to read their insights essentially as close to real time as possible. And I think podcasting basically when it comes to public policy issues, it's the same. So whether it's the rise of economic populism in Western democracies, what like the whole Trump thing, um, what's behind the productivity slowdown we've seen, um, are robots going to steal all our jobs? There are really interesting pieces of sort of work that float around. And some of the places that they show up first in discussions in more free flow, free form is in podcasts. So beyond anything, podcasts are just more timely, right? Yes, precisely. And so for me, you know, the ones that I listen to um, probably have a bit more of a US or a, U- um, a UK focus because they're about those big emerging issues. And those issues don't tend to, you know, just economies of scale of academics and policymakers. You get a lot of the really good stuff for that from abroad. So the, the two that I listen to probably the most would be um, the Ezra Klein show, which is created by um, Ezra Klein, who was formerly of the Washington Post. He set out with a couple of colleagues to create Vox.com, which is like a, a digital media company. Um, and it's naturally American focused, but fo- but it's very relevant to Australia. It does big, deep dives in big of big issues in politics, in economics, in culture, um, often runs to one, one and a half hours. Um, but it's a great way to be exposed to big arguments on a topic or on literature and essentially just interviews, um, you know, key thought leaders. So, for example, some of the ones that I found really good is on the so the whole, you know, what's happening to um, the state of Western democracy, um, the whole the whole Trump phenomenon. You've seen Brexit and the rest is um, he inter- did a really good interview with Yasha Monk, who is a political scientist and a lecturer at Harvard, basically uh, discussing through the big question of, you know, what's happening to democratic norms, that all this, a lot of the survey data suggests that they're weakening. So you ask people how important it is in the US to live in a democracy and the answers have, you know, been declining. Especially among young people. Precisely. And so, you know, what do, that's a very confronting fact. And so how do you think about that? Where, where does that lead you? What are the risks? You know, so it's a really big and important conversation, but a very hard one to sort of pinned down in definitively. So it's a great podcast forum. Yes, yeah, a really good way to have a more nuanced conversation and um, also to get experts to step through their thinking because there's an opportunity in an interview um, to call someone up and ask them to dig deeper into a particular point. And it really is often the best way for yourself to think through an issue is to just talk about it with somebody, right? Yeah. Exactly. I think getting that authentic voice um, is one of my favourite things about podcasts. Um, and for that reason, it's podcasts like Michelle Grattan's Politics with Michelle Grattan podcast um, that I find really interesting. Um, so just to give an example, I think last week there was a podcast put out on this channel about the Finkel release. And this is not unique. There must have been 20 podcasts put out last week about the Finkel release. Um, but what made Michelle Grattan's particularly good was she interviewed Mark Butler, the um, shadow energy minister, Josh Frydenberg, the energy minister, and George Christensen. Christensen, um, a key backbencher from the National Party, on their perspectives on the Finkel review. Now, this is important because Michelle is managing to showcase three very different and critical opinions on the one issue um, in a very nuanced way. Alongside interviewing Finkel himself? Yes, but that was in a separate episode. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, so it'll, it, and I don't know... I. Th- 
I find the the Australian podcast scene for public policy issues to be pro. It is like it, it's a, it's naturally smaller. There there is no equivalent long form hour and a half long interview sort of focus just on when you're in a larger market. It allows more more um sort of more niche sort of you know products to come to the market. So in the US, you do have these podcasts that are focused just on public policy. So the other big one is the Weeds, which is also by Vox. So you know. Um, they're, a real, I think, a really interesting media company, um, which has focused a lot on public policy issues. So their takeaway is to get into the weeds on particular policy issues, like how does... It's all about healthcare at the moment because that's where the US um, political debate is. Did you hear the discussion on that podcast last week saying, I never thought I'd get sick of health policy, but I am. <laughs> well, I think, and I think that's a good sign. If they're getting sick of health policy, then their listeners, <laughs> the listeners probably are too. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that it's worthwhile... Um, working on Australian policy to be abreast of issues that are happening abroad? Does that does that help inform the way you frame your research here in Australia? Yeah, it does. And that's why I raised the, the weeds and, and their focus on healthcare is like, I think that's a great example of where it's probably not getting as relevant because, you know, the US is an outlier in its healthcare system. It doesn't have, you know, a universal system with a unlike most other sort of Western economy or advanced economies. But the part of that podcast that is really good, it's probably my favorite segment in any podcast, is the segment that they do on basically a white paper of the week. So so if you're a policy nerd, like which let's face it, we are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, quite a There's lot of- nothing it, better than a great white policy paper deep dive. Particularly when someone else reads it for you, works out all the- what matters. Yeah, exactly. So, you're like, there's a whole bunch of algebra in there. If you're an economist, that's potentially okay. If you're not, then perhaps that's a bit harder. And I think what they do is really well is they synthesize the main findings of a paper, its implications for public policy, and they and they also they pull apart the methodology. So they they raise all the interesting questions hereafter. So a really good example was um, there is some work, there is an emerging body of work in the US about the economic costs of land use planning policies, essentially by saying, by making it harder for people to move to superstar cities like New York or San Francisco or San Jose, which is where Silicon Valley is, where all the jobs are, where you've got a big thriving economy um, based on a particular sectors, you actually lower incomes because people can't get close to those areas. And there was some work done by a couple of economists that said that US GDP could be something like 1.6%, one, sorry, $1.6 trillion higher, so 10% higher, if you didn't have land use planning restrictions that stop people from moving. Now that's a huge number. And it's, you know, the guys that did the work are very well respected, but what was really good about the weeds talking about is they break it down. Okay, what parts of this do we think are credible? What parts don't we do, don't think are credible? And it's the same sort of thing that we do with any piece of research that comes into Grattan. Well, it's just the benefit of being able to... So Grattan, you get to sit around a table with people who are experts on different policy issues and have that nuanced discussion. I guess the weeds is an opportunity for um, people more generally to be part of that discussion. Yeah, exactly. I know I particularly enjoyed the Weeds episode on tax policy in the US because they went through a series of papers, discussed how partisan the issue was, um, assessed the key claims um, that partisan debate is founded on and gave us a reliability rating of the different studies. And as a layperson, when it comes to um, tax policy, that was really useful. So it's worth also mentioning that, you know, Vox.com is probably more on the left like they definitely so there's you're under no illusions who Ezra Klein and Matt Iglesias and so on are probably voting for when they go to the polls um but you but it's a very it's based in evidence as well as well as a perspective about how you might think about the problem they're actually astoundingly transparent when it comes to um 
the partisan perspective on policy issues in that they'll often signpost for you that this is um, a belief held by this party or that party. Um, this is the evidence. Um, it's strong in these ways, weak in other ways. And they try and justify why different people um, interpret the evidence in different ways. Yeah. Um, and so one one on the other side um, of the political divide, probably a little bit, is um, the – well, two others actually. One is uh, Conversations with Tyler, which is a inter- long-form interview show um, with uh, Tyler Cowan, who's an economist at George Mason University. Um, so he's, you know, as much a philosopher as an economist, um, although a good economist probably should be a decent philosopher as well. Um <laughs> So he, again, similar long form conversations um, with people, including, you know, he's interviewed Ezra Klein as well. So they all interview each other. And so it's really interesting when you sort of see the different approaches they each take. And to come to your question before, go back to your question before, Megan, about, you know, where it's useful, why it's useful, why these podcasts that are, are international are essentially useful for Australia is because they cover the big emerging issues. The FT Alpha Chat one is, I think, really good. Um, so that's the podcast arm of the UK's Financial Times, which is basically the equivalent of our Australian Financial Review. Um, and that focuses on sort of big questions in economic policy. So the ones that I've listened to recently have been quite good are, you know, there's this debate about uh, is economic growth going to speed up or slow down? And, you know, there's Robert Gordon wrote a, you know, quite an influential book saying that economic growth is going to slow because productivity growth will be slower because the innovations that we have, the technological changes just aren't as dramatic. So the internet is not equivalent to, you know, creating sewerage or electricity or, you know, or the, the aeroplane or the car. Um, and he did an interview. Well, so the coast of that is Cardiff Garcia and he did an interview with Michael Mandel, who's written a paper basically working through the counter arguments as to why information technology is going to transform. What's the case for the fact there might be a productivity boom in future. And so to just go through those arguments and get, have the evidence, like that's very relevant to Australia. We're one, we're part of a global economy. So whatever happens overseas is going to come here and to the same sort of dynamics that are playing out, say in the U S or the UK are also playing out here. There's also great book recommendations at the end of that podcast and they are entirely transferable. Yeah, so if you're interested in like working out a little bit, understanding more about an issue, listening to one of these podcasts is a really easy way of getting there. It's not as dense. Like if I if I read the same thing as what I listened to. I read Robert Gordon's book and it took me two months. <laughs> sorry for that. Um, so look, they're, they're some of the really good ones on, on the US. What about more on Australia? Well, something that I think the Australian podcast market is doing really well is recording live events. Um, so one of my favorite podcasts is The Fifth Estate, which is hosted by Sally Warhaft um, at the Wheeler Center. And I think one of the strengths of the Wheeler Center's events is that they often give a very, the Wheeler Center often provides a very conducive environment for political discussion. Um, so for instance, there was a very interesting um, episode recently called On the Bench with Christopher Pine and Chris Bowen that talked about their motivations, their perceptions of political culture, their heroes, their portfolios. Um, and it was the good thing about this podcast is that it gives people space to talk honestly and it seems like you're going behind the scenes. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's a real challenge in Australian political culture is that given the way news cycles work and the adversarial nature of our parliamentary democracy, you don't get a lot of give and take when you have a discussion amongst two sides, between two sides of politics. And But when you do see those privately, they can be much more generous and, you know, the conversation actually progresses beyond the position set out by each side. 
Exactly. It seems to be a window into sort of real political discussions. Um, there have also been a couple of really good Wheeler Centre episodes about the internal politics of both the Labor and the Liberal Party. Um, so in particular, I enjoyed the episode with Sarah Ferguson when she was talking about behind the scenes of the killing season. Um, and on the other side, Nikki Sava when she was talking about her um, book on um, the Liberal Party. Under Abbott and with Credlin. Yes. Yeah, last year. Um, a slightly different type of podcast um, is Ideas at the House, which is the recordings of the events held at the Sydney Opera House. So this is really exciting because these events um, often cost a lot of money, especially if you live in Melbourne. <laughs> um, and they provide a platform for key thinkers um, to communicate the ideas that they think are the most important. Um, so in particular, I enjoyed listening to Thomas Piketty talk about inequality, um, but also people like Eric Glass talk about um, what modern journalism looks like, or Paul Keating talk about talk with Kerry O'Brien about his perceptions of Australian politics today, or Joanne Hari on drug policy. I feel cheated now because I paid to go see Paul Keating and, and Kerry O'Brien speak at the Wheeler Centre after it had just been, after everything that in that conversation had just been reported in that morning's media based on the conversation in Sydney the night before. Exactly. So Ideas in the House is essentially providing free front row seats to all the Sydney Opera House events and it's an opportunity not to be missed. And I suppose we shouldn't, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't also give a plug to Grattan's events, which are obviously on this podcast and free. And free, yes. I was astounded when I was talking to Megan about the history of Grattan's podcasting actually to hear that Grattan's events have been um, recorded live and podcasted back since 2009 or so. Yeah, something around there. Yeah. yeah, way back at the beginning of podcasting. Way ahead of the game. Yeah, that's Grattan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Always. So those are some great podcasts uh, and important content for staying informed, definitely. But some days I just want to kick back and be entertained on my way to work. So what are you listening to that's just for fun, just for you? Well, one of my guilty pleasures, if you can call it that, is Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, so even our, like, guilty pleasures are <laughs> sort of, yeah, they're, they're pretty wonky. <laughs> That's great. So I'll caveat this by saying that um, I really look up to Gladwell as one of the great narrators of um, modern history, um, although sometimes question the conclusions that he draws. Um, however, his never one for avoiding a difficult question. So one of my favorite episodes of revisionist history was about the satire paradox and whether um, political satire is effective at getting different sides of politics to lower their guard and have a, um, an honest conversation or whether satire actually polarizes people even more. That's a really interesting idea that he unpacked in a way that could have been a um, New Yorker article or a short book. Um, I also enjoy listening to interview-based podcasts. So in particular, I've been enjoying Dumbo Feathers podcast recently. So it's a great episode with Peter Drew, who is the artist behind Real Australians Say Welcome and the Monga Khan series of posters. So that's completely outside of my day-to-day -day, um, and it's really interesting to get the backstory on. How many podcasts do you listen to a week? Because there's been quite a few. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I listen to a um, large variety of podcasts. So when I was looking through um, my subscription history on my phone, there's probably about 40 that I've been subscribed to and 20 at the moment. Um, and I would, on a good week, get through 10 to 15 and other weeks get through three. 
So for me, um, the one, uh, you know, all work is play and all players work um, in the public policy space. But the ones that I would listen to just for fun would be like the Guardian Long Reads, I think is a great, because it is, it's like sitting, well, it's basically the Guardian Long Reads is a long form um, written, you know, essay format that they have on as part of the of the Guardian's uh, publications. And they basically just have a narrator. So it's like an audio book of that particular, you know, that series. Um, you know, I'm an AFL fan. So Two Guys, One Cup, um, which is a podcast with Will Anderson and um, Charlie Pickering. Pickering. Yes. Um, so Will Anderson's obviously a comedian. Um, they, it's pretty funny. They don't talk that much about football. Great. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's not right. I quite like football, but it's nice to get a, you know, social context on things. Chat 10 Looks 3 is obviously good. Um, and they're probably the main ones I'd listen to at the moment that would be for that. I'm not like I'm really not having to concentrate all that hard. Well, if you want to go even more relaxed than a Guardian long read, Brendan, um, maybe you'd enjoy listening to The Bugle. Have you heard of that one? It's a comedy podcast that used to be hosted by John Oliver and Annie Zaltzman. Okay. John Oliver has obviously now gone on to um, US fame with Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, leaving his old comedy buddy, Andy Zaltzman, back in the UK, um, recording um, hilarious tidbits about current events and news. Um, so you can always count on a Bugle episode for having a pun run. So essentially a run of however many, however many puns they can pull off in a row, um, but also a really lighthearted treatment of um, the events and in international politics of the week. And always a cricket reference, right? And always a cricket reference. Just um, well, a couple others I think it's worth mentioning for our, li- for our, you know, our listenership that if you're interested in Australian politics or current affairs, we don't have to talk them through. ABC's The Party Room with Frank Kelly and Patricia Carvellis is very good. Uh, they're normally pretty short, like 20 minutes, just a weekly rundown of what's happening in politics. The Guardian has an equivalent, um, which is also quite good. Um, ABC Conversations with Richard Feidler uh, is a long form interview show. And so that's on all sorts of topics um, from politics through to culture, through to history, through to anything else. Um, the Lowy Institute do, does do a quite a good series of um, stuff on international affairs. We don't do international policy at Grattan, which, you know, having my old jobs were all about uh, the World Bank and the rise of China and all this stuff, and we don't get to talk about it very much. Um, so that's always good. And then um, Fairfax do have their new podcast from the Economic Columnist at, um, there, which is Jess Irvine, Matt Wade, and Ross Gittins, which is called the It All Adds Up, which, you know, could be quite promising. Another Australian politics podcast to add to the list would be the University of Melbourne's Policy Shop, um, which will talk about issues that are pertinent in the medium run. Um, So things like the rise of big data for public policy analysis, whether the national deficit matters, um, how to innovate with industry, these sorts of issues. And they're always involving um, interviews with key experts. Thanks so much for your insights, guys. Um, It's really, really interesting to hear what you guys are listening to and what's kind of informing your thought process as as you're working, but also just what you're enjoying listening to. And I'm sure our listeners will be really grateful to to think of some other podcasts that they can be listening to. Now, um, it might be time to hear from a few more of Grattan's podcast groupies on what they're listening to. I'm here with Grattan Research Associate Kate Griffiths, um, who will talk us through some of her favourite podcasts. Hi, Kate. Hi, Megan. So probably one to start with that that got me hooked on podcasts in the first place um, is a podcast called Science Versus, and it was started by um, an Australian science journalist, uh, Wendy Zuckerman, and she... um, she was involved, I think, with the ABC, with Catalyst and with some of the science communication programs um, and then had this idea for a podcast that would 
kind of take um, fads or ideas or um, topical issues and then talk to scientists about what the science says on those topics. And she's done a whole range of different um, podcasts. Each podcast is maybe, say, 20 to 40 minutes and it'll take a topic like a diet or, or ghosts or true love, hypnosis, fracking, any number of things. Um, it'll take a topic and then it'll just dissect it from a quite a scientific point of view um but she is such great fun which is what makes this podcast work like um they're full of puns lots of um lots of really engaging interviews with scientists uh just sort of clips from different conversations she has with different people about the topic um and basically each episode comes to a verdict on what science says on the issue so this is why it's called science versus so it'll be science versus ghosts example it's now actually been um moved to the u.s uh so she she got poached by some big um u.s podcasting company um and uh now runs it out of a studio there and so it's a little bit more u.s centric picking topics that for the u.s audience um but on the plus it's got a much bigger platform it's more regular and um yeah she's got the resources to kind of do more investigative um stuff as well so it's good fun Probably the only other one I listen to on a regular basis, besides Grattan Podcasts, of course. Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It would be, um, there's one called The Energy Transition Show. And I I listen to that one because I find it really informative uh, to the work I do at Grattan in the energy team. Um, And it's run by uh, Chris Nelder. He's the host and he'll interview experts in the energy space. He's he's an expert really in and of himself as well. Um, But he'll have quite a long conversation with one person per episode so some of the episodes are um, well over an hour um, and it'll just be this in-depth conversation um, between two people it's like you're taking part in a really interesting policy conversation so I, I enjoy those ones um, from to kind of inform my thinking um, on the energy system and he's done ones on things like uh, you know the future of wind or the future of coal um, on what the energy transition means for different countries. There was one on the Australian electricity grid in, um, in March this year and various, various other topics, ele- electric vehicles, things like that. So I find that one, one good from the energy angle. Um, but in general, I think I really enjoy podcasts for their ability to introduce you to a new topic and kind of get you up to speed quite quickly. Uh, you know, you get to sort of have a private chat with an expert. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, really. It's kind of almost like you're having an intimate conversation with that expert. And I'm here with uh, one of Grattan's interns for the winter season, um, Christina Brickle. Welcome, Christina. Thanks, Megan. So, Christina, what are the podcasts that you're listening to? I listen to a lot of different podcasts that cover a range of topics, um, but my must-downloads, the ones I want to listen to as soon as they come out, are Chat 10 Looks Free, which is um, a conversational podcast between Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb. Um, Tell Me Something I Don't Know, which is a podcast from the Freakonomics team. Uh, it's a game show, which is very fun. So it's recorded in front of a uh, live studio audience and the uh Contestants have to tell a panel of judges something that uh, they don't know, that they should know, and that is demonstrably true. And then they are judged on that. It's a real fun listen that goes for about an hour. 
And my last one is probably Download This Show, which is a podcast from Mark Fennell and Radio National, um, which is about media, technology and pop culture. It's something really different um, that I wouldn't have thought I liked, but is actually really interesting. So what sort of topics do they talk about? A lot of tech. So um, a lot of tech things about, you know, cloud. Today they were talking about the dark web, um, but also sort of more nerdier uh, topics about pop culture as well. And what is it for you about the the podcast medium that you find so digestible? I I just love the fact that it's it's transportable. It's something that can come with you, and it's easy. Um, it's really helpful to be distracted. So it's great for exercising, great for cooking, um, and it's that has that portability that I don't know television shows or a book doesn't. And now I've got with me Will Mackey, Grattan Research Associate. Will, tell me, what are you listening to? So, Megan, I'm listening to th- I listen to quite a few podcasts. Uh, my kind of four favourite ones at the moment are uh, uh, two from the United States and two from the UK. Uh, unfortunately, no Australian ones on there. Um, the first is Hidden Brain, which is a social science podcast done by NPR in the States. Um, they've recently done an episode uh, called Broken Windows, which looks at police policies in the 1980s and 1990s um, that targeted small crimes like vandalism in an effort to reduce overall crime rates this was interesting because it kind of was science backed um, and initial data collected about the policies um, found that it was working but uh, subsequent studies found that in the national context uh, the policies weren't working because crime was decreasing all throughout the United States Uh, so you can kind of see how looking at one aspect of the data uh, you can see something is working Uh, looking at data as a whole uh, or doing proper data analysis you get more clear results Um, and this this episode also looked at policies from the viewpoint of the people affected uh, by them Um, this is a policy that also led to the uh, infamous stop and frisk laws in in New York so Policy can really affect people and also how policy is analysed. How relevant as a Grattan researcher? <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. Uh, it's yeah, taught, taught me a lot probably to, uh, to uh, look harder and not to jump to too many conclusions too early. Um, the, next, the next podcast that I've been listening to is called More Perfect, uh, which is a spin-off of Radiolab, which is uh, you know, the very famous podcast. Um, uh, so this is a really interesting look into how the Supreme Court works. Um, and also uh, really well-told, uh, really well-told stories. The next is 50 Things That Made the Modern Economy, uh, which is done by the economist Tim Harford, um, and it's on the BBC. Uh, so these are the creations slash inventions that significantly influence the shape of our lives today. Um, so some of these are, you know, are focusing on big things like banking uh, and really small things like TV dinners. Um, so each episode is incredibly well-researched by Tim uh, and only 10 minutes long. So that's a perfect podcast of uh, putting out the washing. Uh, Tim Harford uh, also does More or Less, which is another BBC podcast. Um, this is, again, a 10-minute podcast uh, that looks at uh, doing research behind popular figures of the time. So I've just on my Twitter feed, it's an ad uh, for a company that is saying 65% of the jobs our children have Uh, haven't been invented yet, uh, which is something I've heard a number of times. Uh, The more or less team uh, spent some time tracking down this figure, uh, kind of all the way to a now defunct Australian government agency. And they have determined that the figure is essentially made up. Um, So it's a good podcast to listen to. If you're interested 
uh, in how accurate common stats are. Did you know that 87% of statistics are made up on the spot? I did know that. (laughs) (laughs) And so have you got any shout outs just for ones that you occasionally listen to? Um, So yeah, just a few shout outs. Uh, The Memory Palace, um, which is just a short, well-written podcast um, about, you know, little bits of undiscovered history. There's Cosmic Vertigo, which is an Australian podcast by the fantastically charming astronomy experts, doctors Amanda Bauer and Alan Duffy, uh, who just casually talk about the scary and wonderful universe. Uh, there's the BBC Inquiry, uh, and they look at they take four experts uh, every episode and try to answer a question like, is work too easy? Or how to launch a nuclear missile? Um, and then finally, People Fixing the World. Uh, who recently did an episode on can we supercharge a school? All very interesting. Grattan Research Associate Lucy Percival. What are you listening to, Lucy? Uh, I listen a lot to history podcasts and particularly stuff you missed in history class. Um, I've been listening for about four years to that podcast. I'm a real devotee um, and would definitely recommend it to people who like um, unusual history as well as history that you might think you know about but sometimes you don't know all the details of. So what are some of your favourite episodes from that podcast? Uh, there's um, a lot that are American-based because it's an American-based podcast um, which is totally fascinating um, but there's also a really good subset of Australian topics in the podcast Um some of the Australian topics that I really liked and the one that first got me hooked on the podcast itself was about the Batavia, which was a, a ship that was part of the Dutch East Indies company, I believe. And it was traveling from the Netherlands to Indonesia. Um, and throughout the course of the their travels, they had um, a mutiny, a massacre, there was murder, there was... Um, plans to overthrow the captain as a part of the mutiny. It was a totally intriguing part of history I had no idea about and possibly some of the first uh, Europeans to see and set foot on Australia. So it's a part, a small part of Australia's early white history. Um, clearly a, there's a lot of other history before this point in Australia. Um, there's other great topics like Gallipoli, things that we think we know a lot about, but actually often we don't know the details of it. And it was really interesting also from an outsider's perspective, looking at the history um, without the kind of folklore that we have around Gallipoli to view it from a much more kind of uh, historic objective perspective um, as an outsider. Um, and then there's also just like fascinating topics like the Emu War of 1932, which is this odd situation that happened, I think, in Western Australia, um, where some emus, like a whole lot of emus started taking over farmland because we'd planted a whole lot of crops they really liked eating um, and it was uh, a nice place for them to live. And so we deployed returned soldiers to try and get rid of them and it didn't go very well. They lost, right? Uh, it's hard to say who lost. Like, emus died, but we certainly didn't win back farmland very effectively. And they got super cunning. Like, initially people thought, these are really dumb birds. We'll be fine. And so they tried to shoot them. And they both found birds that still had bullets in them. So the bullets weren't always effective. Um, but also they learnt to avoid 
um, the trucks that were carrying the troops. They recognized specifically the trucks. They would hide in the bushes until they were gone. So yeah, it was all, it was sort of no one really won. <laughs> Everyone lost in that battle. Um, and there was also another great one on um, Dame Nellie Melba. I think it was a two-parter. And I listened to that within a couple of months of moving to Melbourne to join Grattan. Um, and didn't really know a lot about her and certainly did not know that her surname Melba was derived from her love of her hometown, Melbourne. And so, yeah, which is a really interesting side note that a lot, like, I don't think a lot of people know that. Great pub trivia. Um, but if you're looking for, sorry, I've got a lot of favorites. <laughs> this is a subset of favorites. Um, some of the other topics outside of Australia that I've loved the Axeman of New Orleans, totally terrifying, very weird part of history that y you would think was made up, but was an actual event. Um, there's some, I love some military history, like the unusual military history. So they've focused on contributions from people who are not generally recognized widely. So a lot of um, female pilots like the wasps of World War II um, and the night witches. Um, they also have an episode on the Ghost Army, which is um, a bunch of arts grads that got roped in to basically be um, a, what are they called in the army? A battalion or a, you know, a troop. Um, but they didn't have resources with tanks. They had like blow up tanks to pretend that the army was had fortified some area but really they hadn't and occasionally things would go wrong like the tanks wouldn't fully inflate or they deflate over time and so the the arm thing out the front the cannon I don't know what it's called yeah. yeah it would sort of droop throughout the day or they'd set them up facing the wrong way so when they inflated them it was like the army had these tanks pointed the wrong way which clearly they didn't and they could have just lifted and turned the tanks but you can't do that in the middle of a battle because <laughs> it's really obvious it's not a tank if people are lifting it up um then there's also a, an episode on dazzle camouflage, um, another great piece of trivia. They used to paint warships with unusual patterns to try and make it hard for the enemy to judge the size and distance of these ships. Pretty ineffective, but designed to sort of mimic what uh, nature does with their patterns on birds and animals. Um, and then there's a, there's a lot of interesting kind of scientific discoveries, like the discovery of longitude. Um, who knew it would be so hard? These days, these things that we just take for granted in everything we do were such massive discoveries in their time. Um, and just a shout out to some of their, the crazy monarchs as well. There's um, episodes like King Eric or the 14th, of Sweden and Crown Prince Sado of Korea, um, both kind of a little bit mad and their, so it's about their uh, kingdoms trying to manage these people. It, uh, and I guess I'd like to sort of shout out that this history podcasts are not just about people who uh, like the past or are interested in learning about the past. They are acutely relevant to current policy you might want to consider how some former monarchs that were a little bit mad and the unpredictability of their behavior and how their kingdoms looked after them might be similar to other things going on in the world today um, in major countries that have nuclear weapons and the people who currently control them. So I think that you can learn a lot from history and 
how we've handled things in history to apply to make better policy in the present. Uh, it's important to know how we got scientific discoveries, how we conducted medical trials and the unethical things that went on in some of those cases or sometimes how persistent people had to be and how people looked crazy when they were doing things. There's all sorts of learnings that you can take from that, that you know, you have to be persistent, but you also have to be ethical and in, you can take different parts of history to apply to the present to come up with better policy. So what is it for you about podcasts specifically that you enjoy? Like why, why is podcasts as a medium something that you get a lot out of? I started listening to podcasts um, when I realized that as a runner, you spend a lot of time working on your body and you don't have a lot of time in the rest of your life to lie around reading books and expanding your mind. And it was a really easy way for me to try and fit more into a busy life. Um, And then I just fell in love with um, listening to podcasts while I ran, Um, getting When you pick a good podcast, it can be half an hour or an hour. You get quite a lot of content for the time that you're committing. You can listen to them on the bus or on a train or while you're walking to work and use our precious time more effectively um, with podcasts. Uh, Great thing is then if you listen to some totally wacky podcasts, you get very weird associations with particular places. (laughs) And I still do. They rerun a route and get really vivid flashbacks on particular podcast topics. Joining me now is Grattan Research Associate Carmela Shivers. Um, So tell me, Carmela, what podcasts are you listening to? Uh, At the moment, I'm listening to a podcast called 99% Invisible. Um, It's a podcast that um, isn't directly related to economics or policymaking. Um, It's actually about urban design and architecture. Um, And the reason why it's called 99% Invisible is because it looks at the way that um, design impacts our lives in hidden ways way and when design is working really really well uh, you won't actually even realize that uh, it has been designed something has been designed what do you get out of it in terms of the way it frames um, what what you're doing here what work you're doing and just generally your view on the world the thing that I really love about the podcast is that um, it reminds me that uh, there are things that are hidden in the world that are impacting on the decisions that I make. Um, So rather than uh, being a completely free agent, making decisions in a context-free environment, um, the choices that I make are actually constrained by the environment that I'm in. Um, So, for instance, there's a really great episode on wayfinding. Um, I think it's episode... 126 it's called walk this way Um, and it looks at the ways that buildings like airports or hospitals are designed to help people find their path and find where they need to go Uh, and partially that's about signage and making sure that the signs are obvious but actually the podcast argues that signage is one of the least effective um, ways of helping people get to where they need to go uh, and it's actually more about the design of the space so for instance in an airport um, having all of the gates be visible 
helps people know where they go because need to go because they can see where they need to go rather than having lots of signs around. Uh, or similarly, the way that the tiles are laid in the ground um, actually can change the way that your eyes move and will change where you feel like you want to walk, the direction that you would walk in. Um, yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. And um, even down to uh, to generate revenue, airports can actually uh, utilise wayfinding. So um, they will, for instance, make make it so that you'll, you'll be walking past the retail outlets on your way towards um, your gate. Uh, and the food court might not be the most easy place to find because if you're really hungry then you're going to go and find it uh but the country road shop uh is going to be right in your face (laughs) and just more generally what is it for you that um makes you choose podcasts as a medium to engage with well to stick with uh 99% invisible something that I really love about it is that I spend a lot of time thinking about economics and policy um and thinking about design in this way helps me to uh, to conceptualise the way that people make decisions in a different way um, and to understand how uh, that decision-making is constrained. Uh, and I really love the idea that um, if something that's been designed is working well, you don't see that it's there because I think that that applies for policy making as well. Really great policy might not be sexy or exciting or something that you can um, make a big announcement of and have the prime minister in a hard hat and an orange vest. It's often actually the little tweaks uh, that happen behind all of the legalism and things like that that actually has really big impacts. Thanks to all those who contributed this week, uh, especially to Brendan and Lucille for their in-depth chat. I think my podcast library has just about doubled after listening to these great recommendations. Stay up to date with all of Grattan's news, research and events by subscribing to our Twitter at Grattan Inst or on Facebook, Grattan Institute. And of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please help your friends to find it by heading over to iTunes and giving us a rating or review. Thanks for listening. Grattan Institute is uniquely positioned to bring an independent, rigorous and practical lens to big issues in public policy, with the capacity to talk honestly to both sides of politics. We maintain this unique position through the generosity of the public and our affiliate companies. If you would like to find out more about contributing to our continued independence, head to our website to donate, grattan.edu.au. This has been a Grattan Institute podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes.